Hello, I'm Suzanne Caprell, and this is Chanel and Muck Boots, conversations with extraordinary women who are your neighbors, co-workers, family members, and friends. These women are beautiful, wise, badass, resilient, have guts, and they get it done. Here are their stories. And welcome to today's episode of Chanel and Muck Boots. We have a really incredible uh, guest today. All of our guests are incredible, but this one is so near and dear to my heart. This is Lindsay Sutton. Lindsay Sutton is actually a Pennsylvania certified teacher who happens to work at an educational farm here in northeastern Pennsylvania, the Lands at Hillside Farms. And that's a really cool story, but that's a story for another time. Today's story is about Lindsay and her two remarkable children, Stella and Davy. And uh, both kids um, are now into the Sutton family home, and they are foster to adoption children. And they're remarkable, and we love them, but I'm going to let Lindsay tell this story. So, Lindsay, welcome. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. So, okay, so basically, um, we want to talk a little bit about foster to adoption. Why did you do it? What got you interested in it? Pretty much of my life um, kind of is based around kids in one way or another. So it's kind of, it's always been the goal that I was going to work with kids one way or another. So I ended up being a teacher. And then when my husband and I decided it was time to start our family, unfortunately, things don't always work out as planned. So yeah, just, you know, the whole doctor's things and not everybody functions the way that they should and all that good stuff. So Foster care has always been, and adoption has always been, part of the plan getting my husband on board was a little bit of a process. Okay. Um, so a little bit of hesitant, or he was a little hesitant with that um, because of all the things that you hear. So there's so many misconceptions. There's so many horror stories out there. What kind of misconceptions? Um, that the only kids that are available uh, with foster care are bad kids. Um, they are broken. There's something wrong. Um, that, you know, it's just older kids and teenagers. All the kids are going to get ripped out and go back to their family. So as soon as you get attached, they're going to leave. There are possibilities with everything. that Nothing is ever set in stone. But... A lot of these kind of leave a bad taste in people's mouths, um, and okay. I think a lot of people are afraid to dive into that world. So you decided to take the plunge. Um, yep. James, your husband, you did some serious negotiating. and uh, Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of choices on yeah, his part for I'm kind this. of figuring that, but that's... Yeah. It was a, uh, all right, here's all the paperwork. I just need you to sign here, here, and here, and they will be coming for our home visit very soon. Um, so he kind of just... He got to dive right in with me. And And this was Luzerne County Children and Youth. That was the first step. Yes. So contacted Luzerne County Children and Youth. Um, They got right back to me. And the caseworker that was assigned to us was Corinne. After all of this, she has become part of our family. We spent last night with her. Um, Our kids are great friends. I'm, you know, Corinne and I are very good friends now. Um, Now that we are officially closed, we are not having any more kids at this point. My two are... More than enough to keep me on my toes. Beautiful. To say That's the a least. good thing. You're yes. a great mom. It, it's, I'm in the middle of that whole like crazy mom guilt thing right now between like balancing everybody's lives and um, appointments and everything else that's going on, which is, you know, always a little bit wacky, but. So how did this start? So you got your home inspection, your home was approved, you were approved, the background, background checks, everything was done and that's yep. all good. And. Then what happened? So we went through all of the trainings. We did um, our home inspections, all of that, you know, 
kind of the boring stuff. Um, but a lot of the prep work, it's really right, important right. to get and everything it's ready. Sure. It's like that nesting period. Um, but instead of having nine months to prepare for a child, for our first child, for David, we had two days. You had uh, two days. Actually, I lied. Uh, we had less than 12 hours. Okay. <laughs> well, wait. How did this <laughs> yeah, happen? Yeah, I know. Hold on. Um, so we got our approval and our caseworker said, you know, this could take a couple months. Sure. Until you get, you know, the right kind of placement Realistically, for you. I understand yeah. that. So, and this was um, the end of March and I said, well, I just need to know, do I need to buy an Easter basket? And she's like, I, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We'll wait for the right type of placement to come along. We're looking for low risk, um, which means that they have a much lower chance of going back to the biological family. Okay, because your goal was adoption. a foster to yeah. an adoption. Okay. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of like lingo in all of this. I'll try to explain you know, when things kind of pop up that way. Um, but yeah, so we we got approved and... Two days later, I get a phone call um, that said, all right, it's time. Uh, we have a 14-month-old little boy and very low-risk placement. We know this, this, and this about biological family. Um, no stranger to the system. Um, so are you ready for this? And I said, well, let me talk to my husband. And Corinne, knowing me very well, said, okay, so that's really cute that you're going to tell him that you're doing this, but I already know that your answer is yes, correct? Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> so um, I talked to the other foster parent that had him at the time, and you know, we made arrangements. This was about 2 o'clock on a Friday, and I picked him up 8.30 on Saturday morning. Okay, so he was in, and this is Dave, David. Dave, yep. Okay, so he was in a foster home prior to coming to you. Yes, he was in multiple foster homes prior to coming to us. Um, he had four actual foster families and about four or five respite stays with other families. In 14 so, months? In 14 months, yep. He was taken into uh, custody um at two days old, right out of the hospital. So biological mom uh, was in jail, and he was born in jail. So they took him right from there. And um, we didn't really have a lot of history. There's, there wasn't a lot of background. You know, he kind of changed hands a few times between foster families and between uh, caseworkers. So, you know, in the chaos of the foster care system, you know, so not everything comes through. Sure, understand. So the we system up... itself is so stressed. Yes. And in our area, at the time that we were approved, there were 70 foster homes for about 1,400 kids total. So oh my God, 1,400 kids. In, in our foster. county alone. Yeah. So they have other agencies that they contract out to, um, and some of these homes are at their max. And we just kind of wait for the right placement for us. Okay, um, so Davey, Dave was born in prison. Mm -hmm. um, biological mom had some issues with abuse, substance mm -hmm. abuse. Uh, substance abuse, some psychological issues, uh, mostly related to substance abuse, and um, a history with children and youth. There were siblings that were also um, adopted by family members. Okay. And the physical toll, um, having a mom that's addicted with Davy. Mm -hmm. The biggest issue that we faced, uh, not only that he had a couple of health issues that kind of stemmed from 
a biological mother, you know, using some substances. While she was pregnant. While she was pregnant. There's a couple things there, but the biggest issue that we faced with her was her psychological issues that, and they came from her substance abuse. Sure. Um, but through our foster process, we did, she would still come to visitations um, and trying to get an idea of what was going on. There was a lot of, well, I want you to have him and you're going to be his parents. And then the next day, well, I'm going to get a bicycle and I'm going to drive him to this place and this place on the bicycle so I can take him. Um, so it was a lot of inconsistency, mostly with mental state. So just trying to figure out the process of the system to begin with and then having the inconsistency on top of it um, coming from Biomom was very confusing um, and very frustrating. So just and, trying to yeah, get an idea. Yeah, in the meantime, so like, let me just kind of mm-hmm. get my, my head around this. So in the meantime, Dave is living in your home. Mm-hmm. You are the foster parents. Yes. Um, the biological mother is still seeing him, what, weekly or? Twice a week. Twice a week. Twice a week under supervision. Okay. So we had. And what does um, that mean? Why, like, what does it mean when, when a child is under supervision, a supervised visit? So a supervised visit means that they have to have, they're either supervised by children and youth. Okay. Uh, so there's either a caseworker in the room with them or they are in one of the supervised rooms that are being videotaped. And then there's a security guard outside and a caseworker watching on the videotape into each and every room. Um, so it's supervised that way. Ours was through another agency that was contracted out to through children and youth. So there was a person in the room with them at all times. They didn't do their visitations through children and youth. Mm-hmm. So they were able to like walk around town um, and kind of do that as long as the visitation coach was with them, which is honestly where we hit most of our issues with the visits because as he was, he was 14 months, so he's starting to talk, he's starting to say things, um, he's starting to make requests. And, you know, the first issue that we were running into was bio mom was smoking um he has really severe asthma so bio mom smoking while she's walking him in a stroller means that we're on nebulizer treatments inhalers we're at the pediatrician often um so that was kind of one of the biggest issues that we ran into with that but then he would start to vocalize what he wanted and we started to reach a point where he would go to a visit and when they would pick him up for visits the visitation coach um it was like meltdown city. So we don't want to go. We want to stay here. We want to go home. And then we're at visitations and he'd say, I want mommy and daddy. I won't go home. I don't want to stay here. Like things like that. That had to be emotionally torturous for you. When I, there were days where, um, if he had to come to work with me or something like that, if I didn't take him to daycare beforehand and they would pick him up there, just, trying to get him into the car seat as he is losing his mind because he has to go there and there's nothing I can do um, to stop him from having to go there is torture. Um, You're trying to take this child who has been through all this emotional junk, honestly, just going from home to home and coming to our home with a diaper box. He had a diaper box. That's everything he owned was in there. Um, and saying, you know, I know you don't want to go there. I know you don't want to do this, but you have to. It was really frustrating. And 
very emotional for us. Um, now, you had to hold this together, though, because you also worked outside the home yes. full time. So you have a full time job. Mm-hmm. You have a foster child who mm-hmm. you at this point absolutely adore. Of course. Yeah. This child has to go for visitation. Um, and the child obviously does not want to because the child is vocalizing, mm-hmm. you know, so Davy doesn't want to go for, for, for visitation anymore. And that just had to be tugging at your heart to the point where I, I know what that would be like. It, it would be yeah. maddening for me and explaining to a 14 month old or a 15 month old, you have to do this. Yes. How do you reconcile in your own mind and deal? Just keep moving forward. Okay. So I am... I was once a very quiet person, uh, which my husband likes to remind me. He, he, you weren't always this um, aggressive with Expressive, yes. focused, passionate. Yeah, we'll go with passionate. That's determined. That, determined. Yeah, that sounds let's, fantastic. Let's go with yeah, that sounds a little less crazy. Um, but our caseworkers and our visitation coaches and lawyers and everybody that we were dealing with got to know me very well, uh, got to know my phone number very well and my text messages and letting them know like this is what's going on you know we would come home with bumps and bruises and you know she wouldn't let him take a nap at visitation because she you know wanted to get as much time as she could and I under you know to an extent I kind of understand that but it was starting to really take a toll on him and his health Um, our pediatrician actually had to write a letter to the court saying We understand that, you know, naps don't seem like a big deal, but this child is having night terrors after visitations, um, just while still sleeping, just screaming and crying and inconsolable and hysterical, but only after the visitations. But he would come back with injuries because he would fall asleep standing up and like walking and just fall asleep and fall and bumps on the head, split lips, things like that. And everything, just making sure everything was documented. So... Getting the visitation coach to understand, I understand I'm being a total pain in the butt, but this is my goal, so I really need you to work with me. The first one was a little a little frustrating at first because I think she had seen some of the other foster families and just assumed, which so many people do, they give you the just the foster mom treatment. Mm. I made it very clear that any child that was coming into my home is my child while they are there. So it's not you know, okay, you're going to be here for a little yeah, while. That's yeah, yeah, you're done, whatever. This is temporary. But we don't do, we're, we're kind of uh, take to keep if we can. Right. So so you've got all this going on. Okay, yeah. so you've got your full-time job and you've got your home life and you have Dave at home and you've got the issues with visitation and the stress, mm-hmm. the emotional, the, the pain, because there has to be pain associated with, with all this. Mm-hmm. And then you get another phone call. Yes. So we went from zero to two kids in five months, Okay, both of which we have adopted, which was great. I get a text message, and this is – I always have to uh, give Corinne a hard time because she says, well, you're not going to get a baby right away. You're not going to get a kid right away. And then two days later, she says, I put it on my to-do list for the week to get you a kid. So (laughs) we get Dave. And then – she comes to she they have to visit them every uh, once a month. So she actually came to my job. He was at camp for the week, and she came to see him. And she said, "You know, you're not going to get a baby. I don't want to give you a baby um, because a lot of people get attached. Babies tend to go home, things like that. I don't. I really don't want you to get attached, and I don't want to do that to you." 
I kept telling my husband for months, for, you know, probably about three months before uh, we got the text message that I'm like, we need to prepare. We need to have stuff for a baby just in case because you never know. I feel like we're going to get one. Yeah. I had this feeling that we were going to get a baby. And um, he's like, well, they told us we're not getting a baby. Don't worry about it. We don't need all this. We do. So knowing me and my crazy self, um, I had a few things ready to go just in case. And I get a text message um, so you know how I said you weren't getting a baby? Well, we have a baby that's going to be released from the hospital in a couple hours, and we have a very good idea of what's happening with this case. Um, there were multiple other children that have been adopted out from this family within the past three years. Bio mom and bio dad are uh, frequent flyers with us. We know what what's going on with this. They've got the story. Yeah. yeah. So, it's you know, habitual. there's certain ones that you kind of can project what's going to happen. And she's like, will you do this? And I called my husband. I said, here's the deal. And he keeps – he has a big joke that he can never go to Home Depot again because every time he goes to Home Depot, he gets a phone call that he's getting a kid, <laughs> which happened once. One time. One time, One James. Time. So I called him. And I was like, so we get this text message. This is what's going on. And it's just silent on the other side of the phone. And this is 8 a.m. Like, I just got into my office, and I barely even put my stuff down. My phone starts going off. And I just said to him, just let me do this. So now he reminds me that every time we run into this something frustrating or something crazy going on with her, um, you're the one that said, just let me do this. So that's on me. But But Stella Stella is the girl. Yes, Stella. The little girl. Oh, our Stella. Um, so, yeah, so I was supposed to get her within about two, three hours. Um, she was a preemie. And How preemie? She was 28 weeks. 28 weeks. Um, drug exposure. Okay. She's got some – she's got a slew of, of medical issues, which in the beginning it was – she's on oxygen, so she'll be coming home with that. That's really about it. Okay, doesn't seem that bad. So she was 28 weeks. Yes. Okay, and so she was in a special unit. She was in a NIC unit? Yep, she was in the NICU uh, in Scranton, and she, our theory is she decided that she was done, because Stella does what Stella wants to do. Okay. So she was like, I'm done in here, I have a better chance on the outside, and busted yes, out. Stella. <laughs> so she busted out, she made her appearance very early. Um, there was a lot of crazy stuff going on with the biological family. So she was mostly alone there, which... What do you mean she was mostly alone? What do you mean by that? Um, they did not stay. They didn't come to visit very often. Um, they Two were staying nearby. How long was she in the NICU? Two and a half months. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And they, during, you know, the court hearings, they have to say how many times did bio mom, bio dad come to visit, about how long, because um, this was kind of part of what the caseworker wanted to make known um, in the case that we really need to push this to adoption um, as quickly as possible because of all of her health issues, because of what's going on. We really don't want to bump her around uh, through the system and visitations and all this crazy stuff that's going on. So she um, she was only there. The parents only came to see her about 10 times for bio mom and about 15 for bio dad, never more than 10 or 15 minutes. So it was kind of like a flyby. Yes. They just dropped in. Is yes. That, is that pretty much what happened? And everything she had there was from the nurses. So any, they had toys, they had clothes. Um, 
the one nurse that took care of her the most became a very good friend of ours. Um, she bought her clothes, blankets, everything. Parents didn't bring anything. Um, so when we came to get them, uh, came to get her, and we were getting all of her stuff together and talking to the nurses and, you know, getting the training for the oxygen and the monitors and things like that. When it was time to leave, our the nurses were crying. They were hugging us and saying, thank you for doing this because we didn't know what was going to happen if they took her. Um, and the more that we go through everything and even just, you know, the first couple times that she got gotten sick, she wouldn't have survived um, if she was in a house where they, they did smoke uh, – biological family did smoke smoking and oxygen not a great combo right. to begin and they with were active users yes active users a lot of psychological things going on you know mostly related to um, drug use but did Stella go through withdrawal according to her records no okay according to her nurses yes yes so um she had very underdeveloped lungs we're still battling this issue now you know 19 months later and um they were more concerned about getting her to a stable point and getting all of her other issues under control at the time that withdrawal wasn't really a big deal. Like That wasn't the most important thing on the table at the survival time. Survival. Yes, exactly. So just kind of getting her to survive um, those first few months was the biggest task. We're always on a journey. Stella's life is a journey. Our life is a journey. And we were really kind of blessed with this relationship that we went to we went to go get Stella the caseworker came in and said all right there's one more thing with her so she has multiple siblings but her one sister lives nearby she was just adopted last month the family that adopted her could not take Stella but, which her name wasn't Stella at the time, but that's what we're going with. Um, Stella's good. That's a great name. Yeah. We'll go with that one. But if you're willing to, they would like to have a relationship with you. So, you know, we were definitely for this. We had discussed before we got into everything with um, fostering to adopt that if, you know, the kids that we had had outside family, that we would be open to having a relationship with them depending on the situation. Sure. Understandable. Um, as long as it's a healthy, stable situation, you know, we'd be able to move forward with that. And, you know, a few months went by where they were a little bit nervous to reach out. Um, they had dealt with the biological family a lot more than we had to. And eventually John reached out and uh, had messaged me and we started to email back and forth and, you know, how, however long it has been later, um, we've become really good friends. Like uh, Lucy goes to Dave's school there, you know, their classes are right next to each other. I know he's like so excited about this. Um, she was at his birthday last night and I get to see her whenever I go to pick him up. We get big hugs. She knows who we are. The girls FaceTime all the time. Um, and Stella knows Wait, wait the girls FaceTime. The girls FaceTime. Wait a minute. How old, how old is Lucy? Lucy is two and a half. Okay. And then Stella is now... 19 months. 19 months. And is that real 19 months or should she been have been real older? Real 19 if, months. Okay. Yeah. So she's real 19 months. So, so kind of going back a little bit before oh, yeah. you got Lucy, um, Stella's biological sister. Mm-hmm into into Stella's life which is just phenomenal you're working full-time and you have Dave at home Mm -hmm. and you're going through the visitation so you're still going through that 
And then you get the call about Stella. Yep. So then Stella comes home, and let's see, if I recall, Stella was on oxygen? Yes. So Stella was on oxygen at the time. And an apnea monitor. Okay. Which is the most annoying medical device known to man, because it's constantly beeping for no reason. So there's no sleep, ever. It just screams in your ear. So um, if it has, like, a, a poor connection or something. So, th- you know, we're already limited sleep to begin Stress with. Stress then... out much? I mean, any... any... You know... Just a little bit here and there, just a little stress here and there. But yeah, it was it was kind of a wild ride in the very beginning. The day I brought her home, uh, actually the day after I brought her home from the NICU, my mom had come up to say my mom's been a godsend through all of this. She actually moved into our house because she was there all the time anyway. So she just moved in. And, makes uh, sense. You know, why, know. Not? why not? We had a whole third floor we weren't using just to live up there. <laughs> She's put my kids down for naps today. Um, but she came and I said, okay, here's the deal. I have to go get all of her prescriptions. But I don't want to take her into the pharmacy yet because I don't – I was afraid to take her out in the very beginning. Okay. Um, and we only had huge oxygen tanks. They hadn't delivered our small ones yet. So I – didn't have the ability to wheel her and a giant oxygen tank and an apnea monitor into the tiny pharmacy to go get her special prescriptions Um, and trying to track down her prescription only formula that nobody would fill and then you're supposed to get it through WIC and then we couldn't get through WIC. It was was a whole insane time. Um, So my mom was at the point where she was going to stay on the phone with me the entire time. Because she was afraid that something was going to happen. I said, well, she doesn't move. So she just just leave her there. She's not going to run away on you. She is not going to really grab at anything. Like, she swaddled. Just leave her there. Don't touch anything. I will be back in 20 minutes. Um, so in this time, my poor mother is, like, losing her mind. And I get a phone call. Dave's at visitation. She wants to end early. He wants to come home. So can you come pick him up? Wow. So then I ended up having to go to Children Youth and sit in the waiting room. And I'm waiting there. And I'm like, okay, I really got to go. Like my mom's. Your mom's at home with Stella, petrified. Petrified. Okay. All right. Yeah. Neither Stella's not moving. Your mom's not moving. No. She literally sat in front of her and stared at her until I got back. (laughs) So she's like texting me. And she's like, okay, is this okay? Is this fine? Is there anything beeping? No. She's fine. Does her oxygen tank have air in it? Yes. Okay, she's fine. Like, just let her go. Don't move her. So I had to go pick him up. So we're in Children and Youth. I'm talking to, oh, you guys got a baby. How's the... I'm talking to other caseworkers that we just have to know. I'm like, okay, I just, I really got to go. Like, I really need to get him in the car and go. So that was that was Stella's chaotic uh, entrance into the family. And um, since then, we've been kind of all over the place. So it's been a wild ride with her. Um, you actually got a helicopter ride with I Stella, did. yeah? And the ambulance. Um, we've, I, good lord, this child has has given us quite the experiences because things that I did not know were possible, um, things that I did not know I would ever do or be able to do. Um, Stella has definitely brought that out. So we have our life, and in our life, she's kind of developed um, multiple medical issues on top of this. So she's 
at this point exclusively tube fed. Um, she has a GJ tube, so part of it goes directly into her stomach. The other part goes directly into her intestine. Um, so she's not tolerating foods or formulas at this point. And everything just goes right into her intestine. It's actually been fantastic. She's chunking up. She's gaining weight, uh, which has been like a struggle for us. Happy since... little girl. Oh, good Lord. Yes. Yes. She is very happy. She is very bold. Um, we always joke and say she's the one we're afraid of because she's kind <laughs> of terrifying. She's very strong-willed and very strong. Um, and developmentally, physically, she's probably about 11 months um, intellectually, we say she's about 35 years old, has a college degree, um, and she's going, you know, for her master's. She's at this going point. places in yes. life. Stella is definitely going to go yes. places, right? She she does what she wants to do. Davy adores um, her. He does. He's kind of afraid of her a little bit because she's <laughs> she is kind of terrifying. I'm not going to lie to you. She growls. She does growl yeah. a lot. Um, so and he he knows this now, so he'll kind of be like. I not growl. Stella growls. Uh, she does. She does, man. <laughs> but he is a very good big brother. He's he'll be putting his gloves on. He's like, I'll change Stella's tube. I'm like, you're not gonna do that because you're three. So I feel like that's an irresponsible choice for me to make as a parent uh, to let you take care of your sister's feeding tube. But you can hand me things. That's good. Or Get him involved. he has um, stuffed animals that have their own fake feeding tubes so he can take care of them um but did you feel that that i mean you you knew that this was the process was you know in the hearings and that the goal was adoption so you yes. knew this was going to happen but did you feel anxiety until that day um you went into judge jennifer rogers courtroom luzerne county court um did you have hesitation or was there a fear until that day when you were in the courtroom? There's a fear still. Like when I drive certain places, if there's still, if it's a place that the f biological parents are known to be, I still have to look around for some Ooh. reason. It doesn't make any difference. There are. It's the, done. It's, it's done. Yeah. yeah. But there's, I don't think that's something that's ever going to leave. Um, and the family that adopted Stella's sister has the same thing. Okay. Um, so it's something that's always going to be there. And I don't think we're ever really going to get rid of that. Um, it's been it's been wild. It's been crazy. It's been amazing. Um, you know, things that were supposed to be easy, cut and dry. You know, bio family's been gone for months. They haven't shown up. Oh, wait, they're showing up for termination and you know long story Plot short twist yeah we're yeah. i'm driving around uh center city with a chicken in the trunk of my car because i was well in the back of my van it was not in the trunk of my yeah, car that yeah. sounds weird explain why yes. though it was education it, you were on yes i was going to, to a school, school visit yeah, okay um, you don't and, normally yeah i don't that. normally drive around with chickens in my car usually alpacas or yeah a, yeah i try to stick with like goats like they're <laughs> they're a little bit easier to clean up after Lindsay um, works for an educational farm so it it does really all make sense here this is not out of the ordinary mm -hmm. whatsoever um but yes, yeah, so there is there was a crew of us like driving around because they signed voluntaries. Then one of them left, and they they couldn't do this, and they're just trying because they didn't feel like waiting. Um, so it was it was crazy. So finally, they got her back to the courthouse. Judge Rogers is like, "Nope, we're doing this. Let's go." And uh, 
got it taken care of. But even up until like up until this day, I had to drive through the, the square earlier, and Wilkes I was square, still public square. Public square. I was I was looking around just out of habit, um, because that's kind of what our lives had become. So that's what we were used to, and you know we've had scares with things happening with court. We've had scares with, you know, especially Stella's health. Um, we've been lifelated to CHOP. Uh, we actually just spent a week down there. Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Uh, we were just down there New Year's Eve. We got admitted for a week um, because she was malnourished. She wasn't keeping anything down. So this is kind of just what our life has become. So just balancing Working full time, um, I have an amazing, very accommodating job where there's some parts of my job I don't have to be on the farm to do. Um, so planning, answering emails, um, doing signups online, things like that, I can kind of do remotely. Um, you, you've come down and we've done Facebook Live videos for work and live via Chop. Yeah, yeah we've done from that. the family room in Chop. Yeah, it's it's been. Um, just a really interesting balance and there's always chaos um I'm, i have coffee stains on some part of me at all times or medicine stains somewhere but at the same but, time you're good with this yeah this is this is our life and it's kind of my husband and i talk about this all the time that we're kind of amazed when people are like oh i can't believe you do this all the time oh god bless you for taking these kids where for us, it wasn't really a choice. It wasn't a choice like, will you take these kids? This is this is what we're doing. These are our kids. Um, and, oh, God bless you guys for doing all this medical stuff. Well, it's not optional. This is, you know, we were take if it was our own biological child, we wouldn't have a choice in the matter of, you know, if your child develops these medical issues down the road, you can't just be like, nah. I don't feel like doing that. Like, I don't feel like doing the whole tube bed thing. It's not really optional. So we knew whatever was going to get thrown at us is... It's what a parent would do. Exactly. Like, that's what we did. These are our kids. We're their parents. We're going to do what parents are supposed to do. Um, So it's been kind of a no-brainer for us. And my mom always says that we don't know any different. So we don't know... We didn't have Dave as a baby, as a baby baby. So we didn't have that normal, quote-unquote normal, um, baby life. So we didn't do the regular... You know, they start with a bottle, then they move to the sippy cup, then they move to food. Like, we didn't do all that. So our first infant experience as parents was with a medically fragile preemie. And um, we've just kind of worked our lives around that. So every part of our life, like my purse uh, has a G-tube kit in it and meds and like just... Why not? You know, I have to have one in every bag and every part like... And we found out why we need to be prepared for sure. everything, how many times. So that's that's just kind of the life we live. If you could maybe give a message to someone who is considering fostering or perhaps um, is at the next phase and is considering foster to adoption, mm-hmm. and they listen to this this talk right now, and they're like, oh, man, nope, not doing it. Nope, thanks, Lindsay, for setting me straight. No, what would you say to them? do it honestly and it's i hate to phrase it this way you can you try things out so if something doesn't work for you then you change so if you go through the process you decide that this is you want to give it a try if it doesn't work it doesn't work um 
they're not going to you know, blacklist you because you had a placement that didn't work out for you. Um, it's It was kind of a funny experience to us, at least, when we're filling out the paperwork for this because they ask you everything. They ask you, what races are you okay with? What types of abilities or disabilities are you okay to take? Would you consider this, 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 and this? Would you consider a child that has been sexually abused? Would you consider a child that has emotional trauma? Um, and you kind of just check off these boxes. And before you accept any placement, the caseworker will call you and say, this is what's going on. I'm overprepared. So I had this like questionnaire that I had adapted from other ones that I found and put it all together. So I'm asking, you know, are there other siblings? Do you know where they are? What information can you give me? And just trying to get as much information as possible um, to make an informed decision on, yes, this is going to be a good placement. No, this is not. And there's a support system. You're just yes. not thrown into this. No. And we've said no to placements. There were some that we just couldn't do. It was an emergency. We were going out of town. We couldn't take, you know, three kids overnight. Um, there's been some where at the time it was multiple siblings. They all had a certain degree of disabilities like, that we could not at the time do. Mm -hmm. um, it would not be a, a good placement for and us. saying no is okay. Saying no is absolutely okay um, because there's other people that are more equipped to deal with certain things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there were some kids that had sexual abuse that I had to say no to because I didn't feel comfortable putting my son um, and eventually adopted son um, in a position where he may be a recipient sure, of that type of you know Absolutely. abuse um because you know some people tell you that kids who experience a certain type of abuse may mirror that mm -hmm. um so i wanted to protect my child i decided that wasn't the right kind of placement for us so you can make a choice it's not you get whatever's thrown at you you know, you take whoever um but you make a choice is this going to fit with your family if it doesn't, it doesn't. And it's it's okay to call your caseworker and say, you know, this isn't going to work for us. Um, this isn't the right fit for us. They will find another placement, and that's okay. Good. So um, everything is... Yeah, there's a support system. Yes. There's a very strong uh, Facebook community in yes. Luzerne County, Pennsylvania, as well as many other counties throughout the state mm -hmm. um, where, where you could vent, talk, share ideas, cry, laugh, mm -hmm. all that good stuff. Um we are going to have a link to Luzerne County Children and Youth on the ChanelandMuckBoots.com website as well as the uh, the Facebook page, and um, hopefully, Lindsay. I mean, we you know on the on the website itself, we want to include your story, maybe a photo of you and Stella and Dave. I'll see what I can. I'm do. I'm thinking I'll that maybe you might I have a do. few hundred laying yes. around that we could use. Mostly just of them, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, what we can this do. is awesome. <laughs> thank you so much for coming in and for sharing your story, and especially thank you um, for being so honest about your situation, why you went into foster to adoption, and um, you know that it wasn't all paved in roses and and just like a real easy thing to do, but you stuck with it and you got it done. And you have a fabulous family now. You have a real family. We do. It's awesome. Do. Great. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, have a great week. Bye.